Hello, and welcome to Calamity, a podcast about natural and not-so-natural disasters. In each episode, we examine a catastrophic event from world history. We are your hosts, the Coolman Sisters. I'm Jema. I'm Jillian. And I'm Caitlin. This is episode number one, and today's Calamity takes us to Colorado in the year of 1931. Um, we are on the eastern edge of Colorado where it meets the Kansas border. So think about Kansas. It's very flat, big square fields. Um, not my favorite. Not your favorite, okay. To be honest. Well, Kansas was nice. It's not the mountainy, yes. wild high no. part of Colorado. No, this is very, very rural. And the county is Kiowa County. And there's at this time, um, 1931, there's, there's only about 2,000 people living there. Um, so it's a small, small homesteaders or something. Yeah. It's like every few miles there's another farm. And, and in fact, where this takes place, there's not even a town. Um, it's often called, sometimes it's called the Towner bus tragedy. Mm-hmm. And, but Towner is actually a town that is like 30 miles away from where this actually took place. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to call it the Colorado bus tragedy. Um, Towner's an inventive name for, for a town. town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's 1931, we're in Eastern Colorado and uh, it's March. It's chill- springtime. I bet kind of chilly still. But it, it, this is where spring has already started to come. And this morning is bright and clear and warm. Hmm. It's like 50, late, high 50s, maybe around 60 degrees uh, as they wake up and get ready for school in the morning. And I imagine March being kind of muddy. I don't know about the state of the ground. <laughs> we really need to get granular here. Come okay, on. Okay. Here. I'll try to research it more in depth next time. Um, Tribute to the accident. No. It's, uh, anyway, um, it starts out with a beautiful day, and that ends up affecting this because um, the kids. Uh, as they're heading to school, they maybe are not in their heavy winter gear that they would have been in, you know, a couple weeks before mm-hmm. when it was still cold. So the kids are um, picked up by a bus driver by the name of Carl Miller. He's actually a local farmer, um, and he gets like an extra hundred dollars a month to pick the kids up and take them home every day, um, which he of course likes. But this is the 1930s, so it's not like you're... Let me... Yeah. So he's... The bus, bus is a 1929 Chevrolet pickup. Oh, my is, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> that has then been, like, retrofitted with a wooden, like, bus shell. It's... They, oh, they just wow. built. And and it has um, a bench running up and down yeah, each side, side. So the kids face each other. Uh-huh. So where Dad grew up, the, uh, the pastor... Uh-huh. drove the bus and oh. it was kind of a similar thing it was some kind of retrofitted vehicle i've seen black and white photos of it huh. yeah that's well, so uh, pretty common in, in that time then yeah yeah i could i could show you a picture of the bus it's right like that we'll post yeah. that on the page gotcha <laughs> um it's also uh it just happens that a couple of the windows at this time were busted the the windows in the back of the bus and they were covered in cardboard mm-hmm. that will become Important later. Okay. Um, so Carl drives around and he picks up about 20 students. Wow. He takes them. That's a crammed bus. Truck. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like it's full. Yeah. Uh, and he takes them to school. And the name of the school is Pleasant Hill School. It's two one-room schoolhouses. Mm-hmm. They're just little boxes. They're not well built. Um, they're kind of – they're built so that they can be moved really easily. Um, as the kids grow up and, like, matriculate and, and maybe new families move into different areas they, and the population density kind of changes, they can just, like, pick it up and move it to a different field that's uh, more 1930s central. 1930s portables. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And there's nothing – there's no running water. There's just an, a couple outhouses out back. Um, there's a – there's no f- kitchen or anything. It's mm-hmm. literally just one room, and it's – there's a coal stove in the corner of each building. And there's two because the younger kids are in one and the older yeah. kids are in the other. So sure. I think seventh and eighth grade is are the older kids. And then if you want to continue going to school at that time, you had to like go to Towner, uh-huh. thirty miles away. So um, as he's picking up the students, and it takes it's about an hour long bus ride all around these fields, and it, you know it goes to each of their houses, mm-hmm. and it's it starts to snow. So like big dark clouds roll in, and the temperature starts to drop. And the snow, by the time they pull into the school parking lot at about 9 a.m., the snow is really, really heavy. Mm. I mean, crazy heavy. Uh, You know, what else I should say is that they they didn't, nobody knew that there was going to be a giant snowstorm this day. Not that there was no weather prediction in the 30s, but they didn't have TV. Mm -hmm. The radio out there, I mean, you could get radio maybe from Denver or somewhere, but it was... went in and out and mm-hmm. it maybe wouldn't your give you weather. your local weather anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, they maybe had an inkling that there was some weather coming, but um, certainly not, you know, at this time you just kind of. And it's March. You kind of think that most of the snowstorms would be over by then. I would think so. But this one was a crazy one. Um, so there's two teachers at the school, um, Maud Moser and Franz Friday. And Those are both great names, by the way. I know, they really France are. France Friday. France Friday. Love it. He teaches the older kids, and Maude teaches the younger kids. And they talk to Carl. So these are the three adults that are kind of involved in what happens next. They are trying to decide what the best course of action is, because um, the storm is definitely going to be, it looks like it's going to be a bad one. They don't know how long it'll last or anything, but um, it's getting a little crazy, and it's getting cold, and it's hard to... It's one of those blowy snowstorms where the snow is blowing. It's like whiteout conditions almost mm-hmm. at this point. Hard, bad visibility, hard to yes. see. Yes. So they're trying to decide if they should bring the kids inside and just wait it out in the school buildings or if they should try to get the kids back to their houses. Um, and the, because the snowstorm is so bad, it, that it doesn't seem like it's possible to get them back to their houses. Because it, it's like an hour-long route. Exactly, yeah. Um, and it's hard to see where you're going. But what they decide to do is to get the kids to the nearest farmhouse, which mm. is not far away, maybe a half mile um, from the school. And Because it would be more structurally sound? Than because the there's beds and blankets and okay. food. food. Yeah, um, it's probably and more And it probably has like a nice warm wood stove and... Um, water. There's no water at the school either. How many kids there were? 20, she said. There's 20 on this bus, but there's, I should explain, there's also another bus. Um, The district is kind of split east and west, and so one bus picks up everybody that's Mm -hmm. to the east, and one bus picks up everyone that's to the west. And um, So potentially 40 kids at the school? Approximately, yeah. And this, we're going to be mostly focusing on the eastern bus. 
that Carl drives. So they decide that they'll take the kids to that closest farmhouse on Carl's route. Um, the other bus driver is going to take the kids to the closest house on his route. Mm-hmm. Um, and Carl doesn't want to do this. He argues with the teachers pretty hard. Um, he just wants to leave the kids where they're at and go home. <laughs> but um, I mean, cause it's terrible driving conditions, but in the end the teachers went out. And so he's like, all right, fine. We'll take them to the nearest farmhouse. And it's just kind of like a quick, he doesn't even have to drive like around a field. It's winter time and there's no crops in the field and it's very normal to just drive right through. So you, like he can like, dr- diagonally sure, sure. drive to the house, but he can't see, see the house. Yeah. You can't, it's hard to like diagonally drive. Anyway, so he is trying to stay on the road. He thinks he's going the right way, but he gets distracted. Lost. Not distracted. Yeah, he gets lost in the snow to a certain extent. He gets, anyway, he goes the wrong way. He thinks he's going the right way. Oh. Um, he actually even like, you know, he, he the windshield, you can't see out the windshield. So he's got his head out the window <laughs> trying to drive this crazy bus that has, you know, it has no heat. It's. Sudden tires? <laughs> Chains? <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah. So, um, Formal drive? They drive for a little while, and then, you know, long enough that they know they're lost. They should have been at a house by now. And he would stop at, at this point, he would stop at any house that they saw. Yeah. Or, you know, they can't even see. Um, if all these houses are like a, a couple miles apart, and you could potentially drive. They're not all a couple miles apart. Can I just say, I know that we're, like, only 10 minutes into this, but, like, already I have such horrible, like, <laughs> anticipation of how this is going to go. Like, I want you to tell me the end, and then I'm like, no, 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 the point is, we're supposed to slowly it's learn about tell this. the story from beginning to end. Dang it. Okay, well. I, so, you know, I will tell you, it gets rough, but it's, you're not going to be crying at the end. Okay, but, but, I'll hold down to that. It's rough. So he turns around and he tries to follow his tire tracks back, right? That's what I would do. <laughs> no. Come on. No, he slides into a ditch. Oh, dang. And then they can't they can't get out. Shoot. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if they're high-centered or what, but they, they cannot. Okay. The bus will not move. And that's, of course, quite terrifying. They can't see mm-hmm. anything from where they're at. Now, um, his... his- so I know that the, the two buildings you explained were separated out by age, but he's picking up kids, both young and old. Correct. Um, I, I want to say the youngest kid on his bus is seven and the oldest is 15. Mm-hmm. So he, um, he goes outside and he drains the radiator because I don't know why, but that's apparently it freezes. I don't know. I'm sure our listeners are technology. It was it was in the book and it seemed important at the time. Um, and then he, you know, the kids, he instructs them to kind of try and, you know, have some fun, like as he's trying to figure out what to do. And it is kind of fun for the kids at first. I mean, it's cold, but they're all in their jackets and stuff. And uh, so, you know, at first it is kind of like, oh, we're on a weird snowy adventure. <laughs> and, you know, they trust that the adult is going to figure out what to do. He doesn't want to leave the kids, he feels like he'd get in big trouble if he did that. Mm-hmm. So he asks the two oldest kids. Um, it's a boy named Brian and a girl named Clara. They're like 14, 15. He asks them if they will bundle up and go out into the snow and try and see if they can find a fence. I mean, a house is what they want. A house is what they want, of course, but a fence would lead them to a house um, is the idea. So they go out 
they don't get very far. I mean, I don't think they're gone for more than 15 minutes before they turn around because mm-hmm. they get actually probably isn't even 15 minutes. They get to where they can like barely see the bus and like just barely make out the bus. Yeah. And they're like, if we go a few steps further. Yeah. There's no way. We're yeah. just lost in this storm. Like one pinpoint in a, yeah. you can't get it. And there's nothing, you know, we still can't see anything. So they, they end up going back to the bus. Um, and so they're, the next plan is just to kind of try and wait it out. And hopefully it's just a short storm. I mean, you know, sometimes a storm doesn't last that long, a snowstorm. Mm-hmm. So it is, the temperature is dropping. The kids are starting to get cold. And so Carl is having them um, do like exercises, jumping jacks and, mm-hmm. and even like, smart. even like wrestling and, and like goofing <laughs> off and annoying each other. And, and in this, Small, small bus with 20 people in it. Mm-hmm. You're going to be annoying people just sitting there. <laughs> yeah. um, and as time goes on, of course, they're getting more and more cold. They're also hungry. They, they have their lunches with them. But by the time they think about eating, um, the lunches have frozen completely. Yeah, no. There's nothing edible in them. Um, you can't bite into it a frozen really sandwich. Cold. It is. Really cold. I know. It is really cold. Uh, and then at some point, the cardboard in the back window blows out. Oh, shoot. So that sucks. So snow is coming in the back. Um, but they're towards the front. Uh, they don't have water either, mm-hmm. but they can eat a little bit of snow that's coming in the back window. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's see. Where do we go from here? The... The... Bus driver attempts to start a fire. He has a, a match, I think, and, and he's got it like a, I think it's a, like a metal, like a tin can lid, sort mm-hmm. of, but like a, maybe like the size of a paint can. Um, and they try to, like, they find some, like, scraps of paper that they maybe had in their pockets or on the bus or whatever. Um, but it's it's wet and they mm-hmm. can't, I mean, it'll light, but then it just gets smoky and goes out. Mm-hmm. And plus, you know, they don't have enough other fuel to keep mm-hmm. it going. And it's just a, a tiny little fire like that's not going to keep them warm anyway. So they give up on that plan. Um, once they get to, so they, they left the school at 9 a.m. And once they get to the nighttime. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah, so... They've been there all day, and it's dark now. Morale has changed. Uh, well, there's definitely definitely cold and yeah. If your food has frozen, and your little tiny kid with little tiny little you know frozen hands, and on your spring jacket, yeah. Some of them had winter jackets. Some of them had spring jackets. No Gore-Tex. I would be. I'm thinking like no massive huddle. So he, they just the bus driver says, "Whatever you do, don't fall asleep." You have to stay awake all night because mm-hmm. um, he knows that they'll freeze to death if they just fall asleep and stop moving. Wow. So he has the older kids, not just the two, not just Claire and Brian, but all, all, all the older kids. Um, he instructs them to like keep keep the other kids moving. And and they would, as they were sitting there, they wouldn't move constantly. They would sit on the bench, but every few minutes um, somebody would call out someone's name and that person would get up and like dance or whatever. And then the next person would call That's good. someone's name. Yeah. It is good. <laughs> They're just She's trying to be so awful. <laughs> they, I am. They really, yeah. I mean, you're right. It is good. The thing is, it totally helps. 
so much freak out can happen. And these kids are, and, and, and one adult are doing a lot more than I, I mean, I might've just kind of shut down and freaked out and they're doing constructive yes, things. They are. They're hearty farm people. Yeah. True. Bless them. Uh, when the sun rises the next day, so they've made it all the way through the night and it's, um, not quite, so it's not quite 24 hours yet. That is a huge storm. They've made it all the way through so the, the night. the sun is up. The sun, the sun is up, but you, the storm is still blowing. Oh, wow. Sorry, it's not this, like, when it's light again, I should so say. When sunshine, <laughs> when, <you just> mean. <laughs> right, when the day time. is light again, um, the bus driver realizes he's, he has to go for help. There's not, they're not gonna, these kids are starting to look, some of them are starting to look like they're in really bad shape. Mm-hmm. Um, one girl in particular, um, Louise Stonebreaker, she was wearing, this is the saddest part, she was wearing uh, a pink sweater. Um, her mom and her had gotten in a fight that morning because her mom wanted her to put on her jacket. Mm-hmm. But she, it was her, Sounds familiar. it was her birthday week. I know. Yeah. <laughs> this happened a million times. Um, it was her birthday week and she had gotten this new pink sweater from some relative or something and she wanted to kind of show it off like you do. Um, so she was cold, cold, cold and wet and she had begun just refusing to do any of the, she was not participating. (laughs) And if anyone tried to get her to participate, she would snap at them. I'd be like, leave me alone. Mm. Um, so she was really miserable. Um, just kind of sitting huddled up by herself and, um, so she's not going to make it. She. <laughs> <laughs> I need to prepare myself. It's not, it's not looking good for her. Um, but so Carl, he's got to go and do something. He has to try. Yeah. Um, so he leaves. He tells the big kids that they're in charge. He tells them to keep doing what they're doing. There's nothing else that they can do. You have to keep moving. You have to keep awake. Mm-hmm. If you sleep, you will not wake up. It's that serious, you know. And there's a couple, there's several brothers and sister pairs in here, or sisters, and you know, sure. um, a lot of these people are siblings. Actually, I think everyone on the bus has a sibling except for the seven-year-old boy, the little, the littlest one. He's an only child. So. Oh, gosh, Jema. <laughs> parents could have more kids. Oh, that, I took that differently. <laughs> yeah, I think she, Sorry, she thought you were implicating him in like a, an oncoming death. No. Like so far, they have one child, but no, they're gonna have zero. Yeah, well, I, mean, they could have one. I meant. Dark. I thought you meant one this of the thirties on farms. Like you have to have a lot of kids to keep your farm working. I thought you meant one of the siblings was going to die, so there would be many oh. more single family <laughs> situations after this day. That anyway. does sound like something I might think, but okay, go ahead. In this case, <laughs> um, all right, Carl goes out. He lives. Yes. And his plan is to, just like he told the kid, the older kids earlier, find to walk until he finds a fence. I mean, there's got to be a fence out there somewhere. Even if you're just wandering straight, or what you think is straight, mm-hmm. you'll run into a fence eventually, he's sure. And you can follow that to a house. Um, so it's daytime. So pretty soon after Carl leaves to go find help, um, Louise, uh, actually, I think it's Louisa, Stonebreaker, uh, with the pink sweater. Um, the the kids realize that she isn't alive anymore. She's been sitting quietly for a long time now, and and her eyes have frozen open. So they didn't quite realize she was uh, dead at first. So they don't really know how long she had been. But um, that's freaky. Yeah, 
but then they they couldn't rouse her in it at all. And so they they kind of moved her to the back of the bus, kind of near where the snow was coming in, and they just kind of tried not to look back there. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they were horrified. Mm -hmm. And her little sister was on the bus. Mm -hmm. Um, So she was... In fact, they, she said later, when she was an adult, she, the story she said is she doesn't remember anything that happened after that. Like, she has no memory un- until they were, like, found and warmed up. Um, oh, they're going to be found and warmed up. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's not going to be a story of 20 kids dying <laughs> one by one by one. What? Oh, I gave away the end. And then the next child to die of the same thing. Um, actually, that is what I'm going to say next. Oh. So... So then a little bit after Louise, I'm sorry, Uh, Louise was 13. Go through it really quickly. Okay. Um, (laughs) A little bit after that, um, an 11 year old boy named Bobby Brown, um, he dies as well. Very sad. Uh, They move him to the back as well. And then uh, another one named Kenneth Johnson, who's seven. And so he is the little, the little guy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry. Dang it. You shouldn't have laughed before. Okay. Um, so they, they, the kids um, tried really hard to, to take care of him because he was the littlest one and he didn't have any, you know, older kids looking after him. Um, but he was so little and fragile. Anyway, he didn't make it. Um, at this point, the parents are equally in a panic. Sure. They haven't seen their kids for 24 hours mm-hmm. and they just want information. Like they think the kids are probably holed up at the school, but they also know that the school doesn't have food or water. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has a little bit of heat, mm-hmm. but and the schoolhouse is not very sturdy either. So, mm-hmm. yeah. they're, so they're pretty scared, and they know, you know, if they're not at the school, they they must be at someone else's house or something. Um, so the the parents actually start go out going out and looking. The dads, mm-hmm. the dads, the dads. Mm-hmm. Um, they hop on horses. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I think like a horse with like a trailer behind it and the first guy has sled (laughs) sorry you're getting a lot of opposition but (laughs) i imagine it having wheels but i know that there's a horse involved okay even though this was after a time when there's cars okay it was not a sleigh okay Okay. i know that it's like a wagon wagon. um so the first dad to arrive at the school is um a guy named Bud Unteed, and he sees that they're not there and he's freaking out. But pretty soon, um, several other dads arrive. Uh, they do find that one of the teachers, Franz, Franz Friday, Friday, they find him holed up in one of the classrooms by himself. Mm-hmm. He's got the coal fire running. He's cold and hungry. But sure. Um, so they do find him. He had tried to drive to the nearest schoolhouse because the, the teachers didn't ride the buses. They had their own cars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he had tried to drive home or, or to the nearest schoolhouse. Actually, I have a photo of this, um, of his car. It got stuck in the snow and he had to walk back to the schoolhouse because hmm. his car was, that's how much, there's a lot of snow there. Mm-hmm. Is that the this, is a, this is, yes. And this is so after. He didn't get very far. No, he did not get very far at all. Within the eyesight of the school. Yeah. And obviously this is long after the storm because it's not snowing in that picture. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, he could probably barely see, barely see the school from there. Okay, so then the dads, they're going to search. Yep, because um, they learned that they had sent them to the next house. Yeah, yes, 
because yeah, Franz tells them what the plan was. They they go out in in pairs, I think. Um, Still snowing? Yes, yes. Any idea how many inches there is now, or any? no idea? Okay. I do know that it's a it's a really cold snow. Cold wet snow. Yeah. I was gonna say that like cold dry. Dry. Yeah. You know, like the, when it's the, really really cold and the, the yeah, flakes are blowing okay. around. Um, in fact, the temperature is way Wind below chill, way below zero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's cold. Um. So the, yeah, the the dads are going around. They're looking for for the kids in this storm. Um, I do I do suspect um, the storm was at least a little like visibility was at least a little bit better by this point because these guys, none of these guys get lost in the storm. They yeah they all do fine. Um, but it is definitely still stormy. So it's the second. So during that day, the second full day in the bus, um, three of the Children have died, mm-hmm. and at around 3 p.m. that day, wow. um, the the older kids, well, the younger kids, they just can't keep the kids moving anymore. Yeah, they're and so tired. They're so tired, and they're just, they're like, we're going to die on this bus. Yeah. And um, so they decide, we're all just going to lay down in a pile and rest together. Like, that's... Yeah, like the body heat. What can you do? Yeah. Like, we cannot stay awake any longer. We're all falling asleep. Anyway, we may as well fall asleep altogether. So they lay down a few jackets, and they lay the younger kids on the jackets, and the older kids lay on top of the younger kids. Mm-hmm. And they all fall asleep. Um, and they sleep for about two hours. At about 5 o'clock, um, let's see, Bud, who was the first dad to get it to the – Schoolhouse, Bud Unteed, he and another dad he's with find the bus. They mm-hmm. see the bus. Uh, yeah. And um, I mean, they're just totally shocked. First of all, that any of the kids are alive. But also, oh, how hard, how scary <laughs> it would be to approach that. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. when they, they, they had to like dig out, dig their way to the bus door. And then, like, so the door the is frozen. Top of the yeah. truck. Or the bus. I mean, I'm, I'm what I'm saying is, it's not like it is, oh, there's a full truck right there. Right. Yeah, it is just, partially. Yeah, the bus oh, is partially. And everything. Yeah, yeah. the bus is like a light blue color, so it's mm-hmm. a little bit hard to find. But they, they, and then they have to like the door is frozen shut too, so mm-hmm. they're like busting in the door. So the kids start to wake up when they hear this noise, and that's like mm-hmm. the best thing that's ever happened. So I bet. So, but they they're they're in bad shape. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. um, the the two dads are just kind of shocked because like some of these, some of the kids, I mean, their hands sure, are, I'm sure. are yeah, yeah. just um, awful. Their feet, especially a few of the kids who went outside at various times and their feet got kind of wet. wet. Never they were swollen and purple and really gross. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they put the kids in a wagon. Now, one of the dads who was there, was the dad of um, one of the girls that died. Mm. So he has to kind of take rescue these kids while... Oh, so he's not taking... I mean, you you, can't, you don't have a moment to There's take. There's not a moment to take. So he has to rescue everyone else's kids while his daughter is mm. like dead in the back of the bus. And they don't have room for... They don't have room for uh, the deceased kids in the bus. So they take... They'll just take... They'll, they'll come back for them later. 
they take the kids to the closest farmhouse, which is a couple named Andy and Fern Reinert. And Andy and Fern don't actually have any kids, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they have a nice farmhouse. Mm-hmm. It's, and in fact, it's one That's of the larger did. ones, which is nice. Wow. Yeah, oh yeah, big wood stove. Food, um, water. Yes. So there's 17, right? There yeah, was 20 right. kids initially, three of them have passed. Um, and 17 kids in there. Bus driver they, is still wandering around outside? We don't know where he is yeah, okay. at this time. Because uh, he's been gone for a while. Yeah, he left in the morning. In the morning and it's five. five yeah. yeah. Gosh. Um, so they lay the kids out. I mean, they they get blankets. They yeah, take their wet clothes off and reclothe them in warm, dry clothes. Um, a bunch of other parents show up. Like, the word starts getting around. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure one of the dads kind of takes mm-hmm. a route. And there is, um, there is a phone. I mean, it's 1931. There is a phone in, I think, the, one of the houses. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's very helpful. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Um, but it, they, it was just kind of a new thing that was just coming in. Sure. Uh, at least it was just getting to this rural area. Uh, so they couldn't call each other. They had to actually go to each other's houses. Yeah. But but that's fine. It's a small, close-knit community, and they quickly had told everyone. So the parents were coming through the snow, Mostly, again, it was mostly dads. I just have this, I love it. Because I th- you think of moms being like the nurturing ones who are going to, you know, I must get to my kid and nurture them. But it was a big snowy storm and it wasn't safe. Well, and there could be for, other younger yes. kids at home that the mothers had to stay with. True. And so, you know, the thing to do was to send the dads out. So the dads are he- helping these kids. Um, and they're trying to, they did know it at that point that with frostbite, you want to warm them up. Slowly. Slowly. Yeah. So there's not a doctor in the community. There's not a doctor. Uh, they try to warm them up slowly. Maybe in town, town, towner. Yes. <laughs> or something. Yes, away. there is a doctor in towner. The common wisdom at the time in this community to get people through frostbite was to rub the frostbitten areas as they were warming them up, rub them with salt mm. um, so that they don't, I don't know how that Scientifically, I don't know what that would do, but the the intention was that they they are you're warming them up slowly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they we later find out that that's not a good way to. <laughs> so don't don't make note of that, listeners. <laughs> don't try this don't at try home. This that is, we'll get into how to deal with frostbite in a moment here. Um, but that's fine. I mean, the the kids are kind of slowly. Some of the kids are in okay shape the ones that had the best winter clothes are in the best shape for sure. And unfortunately there are a couple kids that are in really bad shape and there are two more kids who don't make it. So they're at, they make it to the farmhouse and they're alive. Sorry guys. We got dog city happening here. Just sit down. Be quiet. Get comfortable. (laughs) <laughs> it's a zoo around here. Okay. All right. That's crazy, though. That two more passed away even after being rescued. Yeah. They were probably unconscious, though. They were conscious. Oh, they were. Yeah. Wow. So is it just, I mean, not we don't know this, obviously, but I, I just kind of want to speculate. Is it that the organs were kind of shutting down at that point, and they're just not think, past yeah, the point of being able to recover? Too far, too far gone or yeah. something, yeah. Because um, first Arlo unteed was eight years old dies and it was his dad bud who had found them mm. so he did get to talk to arlo in fact mm. he he thought arlo seemed to be in pretty good shape mm-hmm. um so he actually 
kind of was helping the other kids mm -hmm. to warm up because Arlo seemed to be like conscious and mm -hmm. um, able to speak and yeah. that kind of, where some of the kids were just like almost out of, you know, yeah. didn't know where they were kind of thing. Um, but unfortunately he didn't make it. Um, but went to check on him at some point and he was gone, which is very sad. And then the, the uh, fifth child to die was Mary Louise Miller, who was also eight. And she was the, the daughter of the bus driver. Oh, wow. Um, the missing bus driver. The missing bus driver. Yeah. Well, I, let me just address that here. Um, it was a couple days later. Um, they did send, some people out looking for him because nobody knew where he was. And they did find him eventually. He was three, he had made it three miles oh, wow. from the bus, which is incredible. That's an incredible ways to yeah. like even make walk in that kind of weather. Mm -hmm. um, he had found a fence and he was walking along the fence. And, and you know, how close was he to a house? Really close. Oh! Yeah. Eat that. Yeah. If he could have made it a, quor a quarter doing. of a mile more. Well, the other awful thing is he's, you know, he's, he can't, feel anything and he's he's pulling himself along oh, this fence so his hands are all torn and bloody. Yeah. Um, but he clearly died of frostbite. I mean he's it's you know his jacket was open like he'd gotten too hot and he yeah. was mm -hmm. laying in the snow. Yeah. So um, that is very sad. Mm -hmm. So he died as well. But let's go back to the house. So they do send someone to the family that has a phone and they are able to call oh, okay. to the next town okay. and get a doctor to drive over. Uh, in fact, a couple doctors come. Um, and the other thing is news, like because of that phone call, news starts to get out uh, to the wider communities that this has happened. And it's, you know, the story is insane. Like it's crazy. That's not the kind of thing that normally would happen. And, um, and you know, just like tugs at you, which is why I like this disaster so much. Um, so the Denver Post hears about this, and they actually find um, they get a pilot to fly to fly there. So really, they were flying story. they were flying their journalists in, yeah. uh, but yeah. under the guise of by of this point the storm, rescue. If a if a plane is flying, I'm assuming the storm is. Better. Oh yeah, the storm is okay because yeah. then like yeah, they wouldn't be able to have visibility or yes. At, well, and at this point, the kids have been at the house for another day, basically. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the plane lands in a snowy field, and they the, they take the, the the they get all the photos that they need for their newspaper, and the journalists <laughs> interview everybody and make up salacious stories that are only half true. Um, it was a great time for journalism, mm -hmm. and uh, but they do put the worst, a couple of the the sickest kids on plane and okay. fly them to um, the nearest hospital, which is in Lamar, Colorado. And the other kids that, that are, can kind of sit in a car um, are driven there mm -hmm. over the next day or so. So then the, the kids are all, the 17 kids are all together in the hospital. They're in various states of, but they're all pretty bad. Oh yeah, you're right, sorry, 15 kids. Yeah. 15 kids. And um, it's, they talk about kind of the healing process. I mean, the where their their hands and feet were purple, the skin is sloughing off, and it's really gross. And um, a couple of them, I think one of the quotes from one of the girls, she was like, "I didn't, I couldn't even recognize that my feet were mine, or like, or what they were. They were so swollen and 
and they had like blisters and the nurses would like come around and like try to pop the blisters and, and dress them and everything. But she remembers just looking at her feet and being like, what are those? Mm. Um, just amputation sometimes. Kind of out of it. Frostbite. Well, here is the best thing. <laughs> Not a single kid loses a finger really? or a toe or anything. <gasps> wow. Oh it's incredible. It is. Incredible. I mean, wow. they have skin slough off and stuff, and it the takes a while to heal. Somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Magic. Yeah. Um, you know, it takes a lot. It still takes a long time to heal to get like back their full full capacity and everything. But all the kids do. Wow. wow. Um, even the worst the worst ones have to be on crutches for a little while because their feet are not. Mm-hmm. You cannot walk on those things. <clears throat> it was probably that girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was. Um, the other thing is the pain as you're as your nerves come back yeah. is really intense. Yeah. The doctor was giving them opioids to, mm-hmm. cause they were, they were screaming. Yeah. Um, but it's like when you sleep on your arm or something and then you have that like awful tingling. That kind of <laughs> like a million but, like, times worse than that. No, that's I, what I'm saying. Like, I've had it where I've been skiing and I, and you know, you, you come like your hands have been cold and they've been cold and they've been, they continuously just get more cold, but you're having fun skiing. And then it's not until I come into the lodge and get a little bit of warmth. And it, the, they hurt so bad, way worse than if I yeah. sleep on my arm or anything like that. That pain is so intense. And to think that it's like down I, to your bone, I am not is. even in any realm, you know, <laughs> close to close to what they were going yeah, through. Frostbite. Mm-hmm. All right. So intense pain, but they all, they all get out of the hospital after a week or two. Um, the other, the five kids that didn't make it, they had a kind of a big group funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, and Carl? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Yes. The, the sixth. Right? Yes. Yep. They all um, were, were buried together. In fact, they're, they've mm. they're made a little memorial with all six graves right next to each other and a little plaque explaining what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and the... The it was a national sensation. It was all the papers wanted to write about it, and in fact, one of the papers kind of made the oldest boy Brian out to be like the hero who had gotten them through, which is not true. And he never he never claimed that. It was just the paper wanted they, a, like, they needed they needed a hero. We need an angle. Um, so he got a little more attention than the other the other kids. In fact, the the president flew him out. Wow! To the White House for a, a weekend. That is a lot of all the kids. All the kids were taken on a week long trip to Denver, to Denver, which was a big deal. Like, I don't think any of these kids had been to Denver before. And now, Um, uh, this is a horrible question, but like, did they take a bus? (laughs) (laughs) That's a horrible question, and I do not know the answer. Did they take individual cars? (laughs) Unfortunately, I'm sure there were additional buses in these children's futures at some point. Yeah, anyway, I'm sorry. Yes. So the, the families, the families ended up fine. Um, there's a book called Children of the Storm, which is where I got quite a bit of this information. It's written by Ariana Harner and Clark Seacrest. And they actually go through and interview um, all of the kids once they're old. Mm-hmm. Um, w- one of them has died in World War II, unfortunately. One of the boys did. But the others, uh, all of them live to old age. And they have... Mm-hmm. They're, I mean, you imagine the trauma, but they all have normal lives. They get married and they mm-hmm. have, they, some of them stay on the farm, some of them go other places, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's, in that respect, 15 kids had a really good outcome from this horrible tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then two other things just to wrap it up that came from this disaster is um, the Colorado legislature passed a law saying that all schools had to have telephones. That, oh. that wouldn't have solved this problem necessarily because they only could have called the one family that had a phone if they wanted to get information out to the True, parents. But that would have been so but much did, better than what they had. Yes, and for, the, and for the other, uh, others, there are other school districts around Colorado mm -hmm. that were like, we need to think about what would happen if that happened to mm -hmm. us. And, mm -hmm. and so they start implementing new safety procedures, which I is see. good. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure it inspired some families to get phones too. They're like, we, they, what, would, what would we do? Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing, and my favorite thing, is that uh, they passed legislation, it started in Colorado, but then it trickled out to the rest of the country, um, that all school buses had to be bright yellow oh, so that you could find them easily. And that is that's why. That's where it came yep, from. From where this disaster. Because you couldn't find a light blue bus in the snowstorm. Huh. Buses have to be bright yellow for great visibility. Wow. Huh. And now we know why, now we know why. yellow. Why there you go. What do you guys think? Well. Reactions. <laughs> Wasn't it fun? Well, yeah. No, it was an amazing story. Um, I think that I'm sad a little bit still, yes. um, but uh, I don't know. Just I think that what I think what we'll find in a lot of these podcasts is kind of that perfect storm scenario where like, oh, it's March and why would you expect a snowstorm or a snowstorm that's going to be this bad or a snowstorm that's going to be three days long. Right. And, you know, the... The, the it's specific. like if one thing had gone right, like if it, yeah, like yeah. the the darn um, uh, window being um, yeah. cardboard, you yeah. know, would have things changed slightly mm -hmm. in someone's favor. Oh, there. speaking of that, I've so, got a photo um, that shows what the bus looked like with that one photo um, of the bus you showed us earlier. I looked at that a little closer. It looks like it does have chains on the tires. Maybe it does. This is the inside of the oh back of the bus, gosh. but you can kind of it's, see. Like, it's like a snowdrift in the bus. Yeah, it's covered the, in snow. By the time they were found, oh like it, the whole half, second half of the bus was full yeah. of snow. I was thinking um, a little drift in, but like listeners, no, yeah, this is it's like a wall of snow. Yes, it that's is. encroaching in toward the front of the, you know, covering maybe more, less than half, but almost half of the back end of the truck of the truck. That's a, wow. There was actually another window that was broken. One of the kids accidentally broke one of the other windows. Um, I don't know how much worse that made it necessarily mm -hmm. at that point. And then this is the school, this oh, other picture. So the well school either. didn't fail very but they still probably would have been alive if they oh, yeah. if they'd been at the school. Yeah. You know, just as hungry. Yeah. But they would have had they still had a fire. Snow coming the roof, so it looks like. yep, the roof it caved in partially. Mm -hmm. Frost in a lot of areas. Yep. Um, well, I think one of the things we want to be doing on this podcast is to, you know, identify, uh, obviously we've all got cell phones now with GPS and might have fare a little bit, uh, better, but in snowstorms, what do, what does the average Joe do to have safety kits or you rub know, yourself with salt, rub yourself with salt. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, what kind of tidbits well, do we have that could from be still this, applicable? From this story, I feel like there's nothing. This was a perfect storm of like I don't think any of these people are 
they didn't do anything wrong necessarily. Yeah. The, the teachers ended up being blamed pretty. Yeah. They, they both ended up leaving the community because oh. um, it was kind of their decision to send the kids home. Oh, I will. Let me just quickly say that um, the other bus did make it to the closest farmhouse, and they were stuck. You know, those kids were stuck there throughout the storm. The but eventually, their parents went looking for them too, and mm-hmm. yeah. and found them at the nearest house. Um, and it was you know it was miserable. They were twenty so kids, wet and yeah. in this tiny farmhouse with you know, eating so much food and right, right. and taking up so much space, but um, but they all survived. So, oh, and that's what happened to the female teacher as well. She ended up at that same farmhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, getting back to what you could do in a storm. These these guys, I don't think, did anything wrong. It was just a terrible series of events. Yeah. Um, but in general, I think. It is a totally different age. We we generally have access to the weather, but sometimes we don't pay attention. So I would say that's something you can do. Like be aware, be aware of whether there's going to be a giant storm and mm-hmm. then well, and, um, and, and how far it'll last and how big it'll be. Some people depend on their GPS and it gets them in a place they shouldn't be. I feel like we hear stories sometimes about like a family who ends up, their car goes off the road in a snowstorm on some isolated area and... Ooh. Like just a few years ago, and the dad went out walking to try to get help, and I think eventually oh, they were saved. But I do remember that story. I mean, I don't know if the dad was saved, but it happens. It does happen. Yeah. Blanket in your car. Yep. I always have a blanket in my car. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe a shovel. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a shovel. Yeah. Maybe some water. And I get no. in, and so what's the, you said no salt anymore, um, but just warming slowly is good. There's no special. It's, it's actually, frostbite. yeah. And I think that, that they've come to find out that you can, you don't have to warm them super slowly. Mm. You, you can actually use like warm water and um, that kind of, like, cause initially it was like, you know, use cool water, but mm-hmm. um, it's not, plus I think we have better medications now and that kind of thing. So, special blankets, I think, for people who are. I think they do, yeah. Need that. So, um, really, if, if you, you have frostbite, hospital, you should be in a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, there's not much you can do to treat frostbite while you're actually still stuck out in the snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just going to happen. Just don't be too attached to your fingers and toes. That's right. <laughs> and the tip of your nose. Those are the those parts, are the worst, those are the parts the that go. Spots. Yep. <laughs> Well, uh, Jillian, do you have a teaser for us for our next episode then? Next week, we are going to be going east to the eastern side of the country, and we're going to be doing the Jonestown Flood. We're going to be in the late 1800s. All right. So an older older one, but it's an amazing story. All right. Well, that is fantastic. And until... Next week, when we do that, our listeners can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and also send suggestions or uh, story ideas via email. So Facebook, find us at Calamity Podcast. You can search that. Please also feel free to tell your own stories if you have great snowstorm stories. Oh, yeah. Post a little blurb on, tell us about it on the Facebook page. We'll, mm-hmm. We'd love yeah. to read those. Love to hear that. Absolutely. Um, on Twitter, you can find us at, at Podcast Calamity. And if you just want to email directly to us some ideas or your own stories, um, our email address is calamitypodcast at gmail.com. Until next week. Stay safe. (laughs) (laughs) All right.